Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 13th of September 2009, entitled, When Jesus Draws Near, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. It's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I know I'll probably drive Amber mad back there, but we want to take the scripture reading. And then I want to just give you an opportunity for a word of testimony, a word of praise if you've got one this evening. I'm not going to say, does anyone? I'm going to say, who has a word of praise, a word of thanks for our Lord? I'd like to read this passage first, and then we'll come back to it. I'm not re-preaching this morning's sermon, don't worry. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, as we stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Father... We thank you for our time together again this evening. Thank you for the time that we've been able to share our hearts, Lord, and joining our hearts in song together. We do trust and pray, Lord, that it has been pleasing and honoring to you. Father, now we just pray that, Lord, through the remainder of this service, that your touch would be upon us, not because we can ask from deserving it, but, Lord, because we stand in such great need here this evening. We pray, Lord that everything we do would bring glory and honor to you. We pray that you would lead God and direct in all that takes place. Father, that you would speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious, loving, and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I wonder this evening, because I'm not going to stand and wait a long time, but who has a word of testimony on your heart this evening? Come on, Rivka. Who else has a word of testimony this evening? We used to call it popcorn testimonies. When one goes down, the other one jumps up. Amen. You got to come to this side. <laughs> you might trip up over there. <laughs> Just before we left, Tinika said, Oh, Mom, they're going to ask, um, or Larry is going to ask, Pastor is going to ask, if there's anybody who's got a word of testimony. And Carl said to me, You don't have to go up to the front and sang them openly for me. 
So I'm not going to do that. So, Carl, you can just sit at ease. <laughs> but I have got a testimony. Um, probably quite a few of you know I went to Holland and I saw my mother who suffers from dementia. And we were told quite a little while ago, I've got two sisters, my eldest sister is the contact person and the home my mother is in phoned up and told my elder sister, it's not wise anymore to take your mother out of the environment of the home because it will be too confusing for her and um, it will do more damage than good. Well, my experience with working with people with dementia and Alzheimer's is that possibly that could be so, but it doesn't always have to be so. Um, so I drove up and down, went to see my mum almost every day and challenged it. And it was hard to find the right person. I had to find the key person who didn't happen to be there. So I prayed she would be there and I bumped into her and I asked her and she said to me, well, I don't know where that comes from. And then she kind of guided me to somebody else. And um, after a lot of fact finding, I found out that maybe whoever phoned my sister up to say, don't take your mum out anymore, um, probably spoke about somebody else's mum. And so um, when I arrived, praise the Lord, my mum still recognized me most of the time. And um, she had it in her head, I would take her anywhere. So in the beginning, I couldn't. But as soon as I found out, I took her out and I thought, well, I'll take her somewhere quiet. We went out for a drive and we just happened to see some horses with some little foals, which is absolutely lovely. And my mum absolutely enjoyed that. We drove on and we just happened to see, now I don't know the um, a donkey with a little baby donkey. I don't know if you call that foal as well in English, but... So that really blessed my mum. Then we just happened to drive on and saw a little sign to say, um, cups of tea, such and such. Well, anybody who knows me knows that would be a magnet. But we, we stopped, we managed to park the car somewhere and we went there and it was the tiniest little place hidden away and a lady had set it up. She was wearing a thing which says hope, peace and charity. So I, I kind of tried to suss out if she was a Christian, but she didn't say much. But I just said, oh, I like what you're wearing, the hope, peace and charity. That means a lot to me. Um, but this lady was so lovely. We were the only people there. She showed us the gardens. There were butterfly gardens and there were about 40 butterflies there. And my mum's spirit got so lifted. So when I had to go back to England, it just felt right when I left her behind, she felt like she was satisfied and she felt it was okay for me to go, which was such a blessing. And then when I came back to England, um, just before I'd left, somebody had phoned me up and said, I've heard about you. And I thought, oh, yes, um, but I've heard about you and, and we're looking for somebody to look after our mother because our mother has got... Um, I'd had a fall and, sh and you know, we can't look after her just by ourselves. Would you be available? So I'd already said, when I come back from Holland, I'll contact you. I'll have a talk to you and we'll see. But as I'm already got one lady to look act after, I kind of had it in my mind. We'll see how it all fit in. But when I came back, there was a message of help on the phone. And it turned out, to have a long story very short, that this week I had to work a tremendous lot of hours. 
and I still hadn't recovered coming back from Holland. I just felt I felt pff, right into it, and I was so tired. I asked some people in church to pray for me, and the Lord really did lift me and helped me. And and amazing, which is sad, but but I'm sure it was the Lord. The amazing thing was this new lady I'm looking after has do, just been diagnosed also with dementia. And so I was able to be such an encouragement to the family and say, yes, of course, it's a very hurtful thing, but it's not this big back monster everybody makes out. My mother is happy, but I also know my mother knows the Lord. Um, and I was able to give a testimony. And it turns out, I don't think these people are Christians, but this lady just happens to go one day a week to a Baptist church day center. So what an opening, you know, thank you, Lord. And then um, last night I came back from work. Um, I was shattered, but I just felt the Lord was saying, just pop into Rolders. So I said to Carl, do you mind? So at 10 o'clock at night, last night, I popped into Rolders and we were doing this and this and this till about one o'clock in the morning. But what a blessing she was to me, you know, and... Um, the Lord really, really encouraged me that I'm doing the right work. He encouraged me that there is a place for us when we get older as well. Because sometimes when you are getting older a bit and you find your eyesight is going a bit and you're a little bit slower in getting up and you get a bit more aches and pains, you know, um, and, and you might wonder when you see other people the same, like, where is this all going? It's going where God wants it to go. And God has got a purpose for every one of us. And it doesn't matter what age, because I can see that through my ladies. I can see that through my mother. What a tremendous blessing she can be to me. And so I'm praying, and I was saying to Rolda what a blessing she's been to me, that the Lord will help me, if he's meaning to, be, to become an old lady, to be gracefully old, you know? But... Um, yeah, that was just really such a tremendous blessing, and thank you for your prayer. All right. It's nice to know when God's working in your life and all those different things come together. Who else has got a word of testimony this week? Anyone else? Has God done anything for anybody this week? He's <laughs> done something for Peter, amen. I'm glad he's working for somebody, brother. <laughs> Well, it all started yesterday morning. <laughs> oh, no, not that. <laughs> um, as a, a treasurer, you have some jobs that you, you don't like doing. Uh, I love the treasurer's job, but there's been a, an ongoing situation with uh, our uh, electrical company that uh, actually provided a letter for me yesterday morning to open up just as I was about to go out to the outreach and it didn't do me any good at all. Uh, the company said that we owed them £1,700. And uh, as you know, on a Saturday, you can't do much about that. So uh, I struggled up with that, and uh, I thought that it, my heart wasn't in the outreach at all, and I didn't know whether I was going to come. But um, I came, and uh, Brother Steve and Angelica and... Pastor sort of spoke to me and showed me exactly what God can do in the situation. And um, 
when I was on the outreach, it's the, probably the first time I've had a chance to speak to anybody one-to-one. A young uh, Asian lad was uh, standing quite close by the table a couple of times, and uh, the second time I picked up the courage and faced him face to face, and I said, what are you thinking? And one thing led to another, and uh, it's quite obvious that he knew a little bit about Christianity, and he probably knows less about Christianity than I know about his faith. But he gave him the opportunity to release all that, um, what I should say was negative values that I had in my head when I came into the, into the outreach. And it was actually a blessing that I was there. It really was. And at night, it was even more so. Uh, Diane came with me at night as well. And uh, we saw something on the board, on the, the menu board, which... Uh, made me think that I should have been at the rest homes and not at home on the Friday night because mushy peas and rowan chips was on the menu and I thought, well, anybody that knows me and knows food, that was it. Now, I'm just wondering, I'm going to ask probably, that probably only one person here knows where I would have been today if I hadn't have had the Lord call me out. Andrew knows where I would have been today, probably. And... Um, I just thank the Lord that um, now my voice can be used for his benefit and not for shouting at 22 footballers on a football pitch, which, as anybody knew me, and I still am a, a very, um, what's the kind of person I would call myself, very sort of, yes, competitive, that's a good word, that's a, that's a nice word, isn't it, competitive, but the Lord's blessed me. I think most people that sit in front of me when I'm singing probably wish I was on the uh, terraces at St Andrews or Villa Park. But I've just got a heart that's wanting to praise the Lord because of what he's done for me personally. Um, most of you um, have had opportunities in your own lifetime to remember what you were doing 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And probably it wouldn't have been a pleasant, pleasant thought, and mine wasn't really, but the Lord's chosen me, like my mother and father chose me. I was adopted, as most of you know. And that's, that's him, that, that one in the, the Songs of Fellowship 92, that I'm adopted, and Tyler knows how special that is to me. And that's probably the reason, really, because I know that he's chosen me. And like my mother and father chose me, and I hope he's chosen you. If there's anybody here that hasn't been chosen yet then I would beg you to consider giving your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ because he can make such a big difference in your life. The things that are really important in your life um, through God's eyes, really the world's eyes, would challenge you. They would say to you, those are not important, but I know that the importance in my life is what I look forward to, not what's gone behind me. The Lord saved me from all of that. But I'm looking forward to the day and I see his face and I look upon his face and, and I'm so thankful that there will be coming a day when that will happen. And it will happen for all of us. Whether we want it or not, we shall have to stand before him. And I just want to see his face and I want to see that smile that he knows that I've stood the test of time and run the race really because that's all we're asked to do, to be faithful and to run that race. God bless you all. Amen. All right. Isn't it a blessing when somebody else just shares with you the 
Sometimes it's even just the smallest things, but God deserves all the credit. You know, one of the amazing things about the small things is that you're reminded that God cares about every detail of our lives. There's nothing that's insignificant to Him. He cares about it all. There's not a decision or a choice that we ought to make without going to Him because He cares that we get it right. I guess this evening as we, as a church, come around the Lord's table, you know, that's, uh, I guess, uh, we refer to this table as the communion table often. And, of course, it, uh, it is something that I would remind you this evening that, uh, you know, there is absolutely, positively no saving grace in these things that are sitting here on the table before us. It's special to we as believers that have united our hearts together as a church, that as we come together around this table, come to remember our Lord and our Savior. And of course, as we come, it's not that, number one, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, that's not what you need this evening. It's the Jesus that we're remembering that will make the difference in your life. It's not this cup that puts us in remembrance of his blood, but it's his shed blood that will make a difference in your life. And so, of course, as people come together around the table, we come to remember him, his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. And, of course, we would say that if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not being unloving when we say, you know, we would ask you not to take of this table this evening because it will do you no good. But to make light of the things of God can certainly do you harm. We recognize that, again, many times I have heard statements, and I don't say it to be critical, but simply all them that love God can come. Well, folks, there's an awful lot of people out there that love God, but they're not part of the family of God. There's an awful lot of people that may even be born again and part of the family of God, but we find that they would not be in communion with us as this local church. You know, God always loved all the people, but in the Old Testament, when he instituted the Passover, it was his chosen. It was the nation of Israel. It wasn't for everybody else to celebrate that time when they celebrated the Passover every year. When Jesus became the last Passover and instituted what we call the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper now, it was with those that were the closest to him, those that he were laying as the foundation of his church. It was those apostles that he gathered with there in the upper room. And so it's not meant to be unkind or unloving, but just as the nation of Israel was God's chosen vessel in the Old Testament, it's the local church that's God's vessel in the New Testament that he uses, that he works through, that he ministers through, and most of you have not been around here very long to realize that I believe that, you know, again, I would even say as the Apostle Paul did about those that 
were preaching the gospel with the wrong motives, I thank God because it wasn't them that were saving the people. If people were getting saved through it, then praise God for it. But that didn't make what they were doing right. And of course, this evening as we come around the Lord's table as a church, I believe that ministry in the era that you and I are privileged to live in, this great age of grace, God uses his church. And just as it was with the nation of Israel and just as it was with he and his apostles, it is time for the local church to come together as a united body. And of course, that's why that first of all, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And second of all, you need to be obedient and following the Lord in believer's baptism. And then you need to be obedient in committing yourself to his church. Because that's where not only will you be ministered to and blessed and God has given those gifts for you to grow in the Lord, but it's also where you can serve God. And that's what I want to draw your attention to for just a few moments this evening because I read the reading in Luke chapter 24 to remind us of the Christ that we come to remember this evening. Now in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in the latter part of verse 26, the Word of God says, But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, we come around the table this evening to remember him that gave his life as a ransom for you and I here this evening. We thank God for that, but you know, as I, was, as I looked at that, I was reminded of something else. He came to the earth to die for our sins. But this verse tells us very clearly that he also came to do something else, and that was to minister unto us. As the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister so many times we get focused upon our, our problems and our difficulties and our challenges and all the things that are going wrong and all the things that are, that are not going right. When he's telling us, even as the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, if you want to be great, if you want to be chief, then you've got to be willing to serve. You've got to be willing to minister to others just like Jesus Christ came, not to be ministered to, but to minister to to others. When our focus is upon others and what we can do to be a blessing and what we can do to encourage, even when we may be down in the dumps ourselves. And of course, we find as we look through the scriptures that Jesus spent his time in his earthly ministry serving others. Even after his resurrection, as we have read here in Luke chapter 24, we find that even after that and before his return to heaven, we find him ministering to others. After his resurrection, he ministered to Mary Magdalene. I mean, she was hurting because she didn't know what had happened to her master. We find him ministering to Peter because Peter was hurting because he had denied the Lord three times when he had the opportunity to stand. He denied him completely. 
We find him ministering to ten disciples that were hurting because they're in the garden. When Jesus was betrayed and arrested, they ran the other way. We find him ministering to Thomas, who was hurting because of his doubts. He had real doubts that this really was the Jesus Christ that he knew. The Bible tells us we saw him ministering to as many as 500 disciples at once that were hurting because of the events that had taken place at Calvary. And you know, in most all of these cases, there was something else that was common. Many of them were hurting because of their confusion. They just didn't understand. And we find as we continue reading where we left off in the passage here, Notice that he says in verse 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus himself drew near. One of the great comforts of our Christian life, so you know still today, that same Jesus, he still draws near. He still, just as he came to minister, he still desires to minister to our needs this evening. And he draws near amidst all that confusion. And we all have confusion in our lives that we just don't understand. We don't understand why we have to go through this or why so-and-so has to go through this. We don't understand why it has to be so, so hard sometimes when we're trying our best and it just doesn't seem to work out. These disciples were confused. The Bible says they were discussing among themselves these recent events that had unfolded before them concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were trying to come up with some answers. They were reasoning together, the Bible says. I mean, you stop and think. In just a week's time, they had come from his triumphal entry into the Jerusalem when they were waving the palms, and they were there, and they were celebrating his arrival to being betrayed and arrested, to going through a trial that wasn't even legal, seeing Jesus charged and convicted and crucified, and now the body's even disappeared. They're, they've gone to the tomb and there's, there's no body there. What in the world is going on? How could all of this take place inside of a week? They had good reason to be confused. But you see, it's amidst that confusion that the Bible says Jesus draws near to them and goes with them. It's not unusual nor uncommon for Christians to face confusing times. It's just part of life. Many times it's our circumstances. It may be 
relationships. It may be family. It may be jobs. It may be finances. It may be all kinds of things. But the truth is, many times we get into circumstances and we're trying to figure out how we got here and what's going on and what we're supposed to be doing and we're just confused about it all. But may I remind you that your present circumstances, whatever they might be, they might be leaving you confused as to just what's going on. But folks, Jesus will still draw near to you today. Just as he did these on the road to Emmaus, he'll go with you through whatever it is that you're experiencing. And he draws near to minister to you. I know that You've read and heard these verses before, but as we remember him this evening, may I remind you of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. When Jesus Christ himself said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I would remind you what was written to the Romans in Romans chapter 8. And I could read a lot from there, but I'll read just verses 38 and 39. He said, for I am persuaded. Now, what's going on in your life? He says that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm saying I don't care what your circumstances might be. Folks, it cannot separate you from the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll draw near to you. In Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5, again, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, you might be facing some confusing times right now. But that's exactly, that's exactly where these men were on the road to Emmaus. They had plenty to be confused about, and they were confused, and they were trying to work it out. But in the midst of that, Jesus drew near to them. Jesus was there for them. The Bible says he went with them. And then notice what it says there, because he said, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? You see, when Jesus drew near, he always draws near with compassion. We find that he addressed their confusion. He asked them about the, the conversation that they were having. He wanted to know, what's making you so sad right now? 
He showed them his compassion that he genuinely cared. Saying that Jesus will draw near to you amidst your confusion. And he'll always do so with genuine compassion. He's not just putting up a face. He's not trying to just do what's polite and what's right. He comes with genuine compassion. Why? Because he genuinely cares. In this case, he purposely did not let them know who he was. We find that he specifically, at this point, didn't want them to know who he was when he began talking with them. And, and of course, sometimes he comes to us in different ways through different people. And sometimes we don't even recognize it as him. But he's there amidst our confusion. And he's coming with genuine compassion. He's always there. He always cares. He's always compassionate. I would remind you once again in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, speaking of our Lord, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then just a few pages over in your Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 5, notice what he says in verse 6 and verse 7. He says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We talked about that verse this past Wednesday in the prayer meeting. The truth is, is that Jesus is still drawing near this evening. Amidst your confusion, always with compassion, and notice next, addressing your concerns. Notice what happens here in verse 18. He says, And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? What is wrong with you? Are you such a stranger that you don't know what's going on? Have you not seen what's happened here in these past few days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early in the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, Jesus drew near amidst their confusion. He came with genuine concern, listening, listening to their concerns. And then note how he began to address those concerns for them. He did so with the Word of God. <laughs> they were confused. And Jesus had compassion and he cared. He was God. He could have told them anything that he wanted to, and yet he took the Word of God. And he began with the Word of God to explain to them the things that they were confused about. He gave them understanding. Folks, that understanding didn't come from the world. It didn't come from man's intellect. Today, Jesus still draws near in the same way and he'll still just as assuredly address your concerns and he'll instruct you in the same way using the same instrument, the Word of God. Our concerns, just like theirs, folks, they don't need to be addressed through the intellect and the understanding of this world. I thank God for the doctors. I thank God for those care people that care. But I'm saying... Your concerns need to be addressed by God and they need to be addressed through God's Word. That's where the real answers are. That's where the real understanding will come from. We find that the Word of God is there, has been given to us to address our concerns. And Jesus is still drawing near. Do you remember the promise that he made in John chapter 14 that if he went away, he was sending another, this comforter, to come alongside? And he would lead you into all understanding. You see, Jesus Christ is still just as much present today, living in each and every one of us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, when Jesus draws near, he'll come amidst the confusion. He always comes with compassion. He'll address your concerns from the only place that the real answers will ever, ever come from. And notice what happens in verse 28 then. It says, And they drew nigh into the village whither they went, and he made us as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he said it, meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? 
And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. They told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Amidst their confusion, Jesus drew near with all of his compassion, addressing their concerns to the Word of God. And folks, something changed. They got heartburn. <laughs> but it was a good kind of heartburn, praise God. It wasn't from eating too much pizza or spaghetti or something. They got heartburn. They were consoled and they were comforted. But it wasn't just something external and superficial. Something happened within their hearts. Jesus brought them comfort like no one else could. In the end, even though they realized Jesus had closed their eyes so that they literally wouldn't know who he was when he began working with them, but oh, they sure knew who it was in the end. <laughs> they knew it was him, and they knew he was the one that had changed their lives. Their immediate response was to want to share it with others. Well, they wanted to go tell everybody else, it really is Jesus, and this is him, and this is what he's done. This is what he's done for us. That was their natural response. Friends, Jesus wants to draw near to you right now, tonight. Maybe it's amidst your confusion. I can promise you he'll come with genuine compassion because he cares for you. I can promise you that he will address your concerns through the word of God just as he did here. But may I ask you pointedly, friend, how much time are you spending in the word? How much time are you spending on your knees communing with him? You see, I don't say this to be harsh, but you can eat every piece of bread that we've got here and you can drink every cup that's in there tonight that will not give you communion with him and it will not give you communion with this church body. We come to this because we are in communion with him. The Lord's table will not somehow magically give you a closer relationship with the Lord. He tells you before you come into the table to examine yourself. You see, I want you to grasp this evening just how much God loves you, just how much that he cares for you, just what kind of price was paid for you as an individual. It's quite mind-boggling when you think of all that Jesus did and to know that he did it as we talked about last week, in your place. In your place. Not just for you, but in your place, what you rightly deserved. We come this evening around this table as a church body. And we do invite those that, if they feel comfortable and would desire to do so, if they meet the same requirements that we would ask of anybody that was a member of this church, that you've truly, genuinely been born again, been washed in the blood of the Lamb, that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you've been saved, 
that you followed in obedience to believers' baptism, biblical baptism by a local church. And if you're not a member of this church, then again, you need to have those things right first. But if you're not, if you are a member of a church of like faith that would be in communion with this church, then we invite you to join around this table. If not, it's not because we don't love you any less. We want to say to you this evening, everything we are and all that we are, every hope that we have is in Jesus Christ, the one that we remember this evening. He says to examine yourself. I am not your judge this evening. But he says he would much rather that you would examine yourself because if there's sin, if there's things in your life that are not as they ought to be, then you're going to make a mockery of this table. There is no way that you're going to enjoy the communion. You see, we remember him. We examine ourselves. And when we take of this cup and drink, when we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we're doing so to remember him this evening. Do you know that you're a child of God? Have you taken that step of obedience? Have you followed the Lord in believers of baptism to identify yourself with him as one of his followers? Even Jesus himself did it as an example for you. Have you committed yourself to his church that you might be able? That's how he has given the gifts that you might be built up, that you might grow as a Christian, that your needs might be met, and at the same time that you might serve him just as he came to serve. You see, he wants this to be real communion this evening. He don't want you just to eat a piece of bread and, 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 and drink a cup of grape juice. He wants real communion with you. And that's what we want this evening. And you see, as a local church, we want real communion with him together as his body and he is our head. That's the only way this body here will ever, ever accomplish anything for God's glory. We unite our hearts together. We commit ourselves to one another. We come remembering that it's all because of him. So this evening, I pray that it can minister to you in one of several ways. Either you're because you're part of that body here this evening. That if there's things that are separating you from God, you're willing to deal with it. God. God wants you to feel him near you. He wants to give you heartburn this evening, just like he did these two. He wants you to know that he has been there, something different. He wants you spiritually to feel yourself just wrapped in his loving arms. This evening, that's what he wants for you. He wants it to be a time of real communion. But there's nothing I can do, nothing this table can do. As a matter of fact, he warns that there are many that are sick and many that have even died because of making light and abusing this table. There's no point in playing games with God and pretending that everything is as it ought to be when it's not. And you know, church, as your pastor, I want us 
I want us as a body of believers, I want us to be united in heart and soul. Yes, we've got our weaknesses and our failings and our shortcoming, and your pastor can probably make a longer list than any one of you. But aren't you glad God loves us in spite of that? Aren't you glad that he was willing to die for that? This evening, if we're to be an effective body, we're going to treat each other with the kind of grace that God did. He doesn't overlook sin. He doesn't pretend that something is what it isn't. But he accepts just as you are, wherever you are. He accepts you just as you are. We accept one another. We try to encourage and build each other up. As a matter of fact, you've heard me say many times, and, you know, it sounds harsh, but it's, it's, it's mint sweet. <laughs> you know how some, some candy can taste sweet and sour at the same time? <laughs> if you can't say something that's going to help and uplift and build your brother or sister up in Christ, in Christ, just keep it shut. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't speak it. As a body, we want to build each other up. And yes, if there's problems, we ought to be able as brothers and sisters to work those things out amongst ourselves to do what we need to do to get past them. This evening, I, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but folks, I don't really have any need in my life to go through a meaningless ceremony here this evening. I want us to celebrate this table in the way that the Lord meant for us to. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll just be reminded, right now, maybe as a psalmist as you, maybe you need to pray for God himself to show your heart. If there's things there, and then you know that there's things there, we're not here to make you feel bad this evening. We're here to get you to face them. Jesus Christ is here. He'll draw near to you this evening, and there's absolutely nothing in your life that he doesn't care about, nothing that you can't take to him right now. Lost person, will you just ponder over what Jesus Christ has done for you and your sins this evening? But Christian, I want to speak especially to you. If there's something in your life that's truly breaking that fellowship, you can pretend all you want, but sin is sin. You can try to pretend that it's okay and that it's all right. But if there's sin in your life, it'll separate you. This table's not going to do anything for you this evening except possibly bring you harm. If you examine yourselves and see something and are not willing to do something about it, no, you shouldn't take of it if you're not willing to do something. That's not what he prefers. He wants you to deal with it. He wants you to have that communion with him. Maybe you're here this evening, and if you're not part of this church body, maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God is directing you. Maybe that's a commitment that you need to make with your life so that you can join in communion with the others. Father, you know the hearts of each and every individual here this evening. Lord, I know the words that we've looked at have been simple and straightforward. And Lord, they've meant to encourage and remind each and every one here that Jesus Christ came to, yes, to pay the ransom for their sin. But he came to minister to them.
The Lord, their need this evening, if it's for salvation, he wants to minister to them right here this evening. If it's a Christian that's walking away from the Lord, he wants to minister to them here this evening. If it's a Christian that maybe they know that they've been saved, but Lord, they're not committed in their Christian walk, not really committed to you, not committed to the church, maybe here this evening, or maybe you're just inviting them to come into the fold, to enjoy that sweet fellowship, being near to you. Father, we pray that you would speak to the hearts as only you can because it is not me, it's not for me to do that. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts, that each one here this evening would be willing to respond in whatever way that is needed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask our deacons to come if they would at this time to serve you there in your place. Friend, I want each one of you to know sweet fellowship with the Lord this evening. And it's not this table that will do that. But if you're lost, just confessing your sins to him. You can know that fellowship before you leave here this evening. Backslider, this table is not going to give you that fellowship. But maybe you need to confess your sins and maybe there needs to be some genuine repentance you see, it's not the crocodile tears and just saying, I'm sorry, but will you genuinely turn from that sin? Will you turn from it and truly commit your life to him? May To know that sweet fellowship of being near to him rather than those things dividing in your life and church here at Bethel. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that things aren't as they ought to be. Maybe even right now you say, oh, preacher, everybody's, I'm, right now, before you take that bread or that cup or anything else, things not right with somebody, you need to be going to that person and putting your arms around their neck and saying, I'm sorry, and getting it right. No point in pretending. What God wants is real fellowship, real communion. And the only way to do that is to deal with it. That's why he pleads with us, examine yourselves. And I can honestly say from my heart, that's what I want for you. I want you to have genuine communion here this evening. I want you to know the nearness of the Lord. This bread and this cup is to remind us of him. And he's the one that we need to have that communion with. Mm -hmm.